So, hello, welcome to Cannon and Cockrell. My name is Michael, I'm a Spurs fan. And I'm Jason and I'm an Arsenal fan. And uh, if we sound a little bit different today, we're, it's because we're recording in a, in a slightly different manner. We're out of the studio um, trying some, some new technology. So, yeah. I thought you were going to say uh, you sound a little bit different because you're choking on your tears from uh, Sunday. Well, here we go. Straight, straight into, uh, into what we need to talk about in today's episode. So I suppose we'll start, yeah, with the weekend's fixtures. Why not? Work backwards. Um, Tottenham obviously falling to a 2-1 defeat at Burnley. Arsenal winning 2-0, was it, against Southampton? Yep, an excellent 2-0 victory. Lacazette and Ross from Friends scoring. Yeah, Henrik Mkhitaryan, your Jason's favourite player, with a huge contribution yeah. in the goal and an assist. I actually think they might they should give him the captaincy after that. What a what a performance! Has that perhaps changed your uh, keep still undecided? No, I think uh, he's now sell. And with Arsenal now fourth in the league, are you perhaps changing your opinion on Europa League or bust? Are you thinking maybe top four is doable now? I think top four. Well, the the Europa League or bust was based on the assumption that we couldn't get top four. And somehow in these turn of events, that's happened quite quickly, that we're in fourth position and it's in our hands. Um, Unless Chelsea go on a goal route next game. So I guess, uh, yeah, I'll give a little bit of leeway in terms of Unai Emery. It's changed absolutely nothing, in my opinion. Really? Yeah, no, he's... uh, it's jammy. You expect to win against Southampton at home. Actually, we probably should have scored four or five. So actually, I'd say in in the scheme of things, it was another failure on his uh, on his Arsenal CV. I wonder as well if uh, Europa League or bust was uh, predicated on the notion that in the Europa League you could perhaps not lose away at teams like Bate Borisov. I'm wondering. You predicted that you might struggle over the two legs. Obviously, you won the second leg three nil. But I'm wondering if the manner of the first leg as well has perhaps contributed towards negative feelings towards Unai Emery and uh, Arsenal's Europa League chances as a whole. Well, it's funny because I'm not really known as the master of hyperbole, as you well know, but I was absolutely joking when I thought we would lose, and we did. So that that shows to me, again, that weak team mentality. You know, all very well against Barté Borisov. You have the home leg, you go and destroy them, and, you know, you're through to the next round. But imagine if it was a tougher team. Not sure if Wren kind of um, go under that um, that group of teams. But, you know, if you're playing in Inter Milan and you have a performance like that, you're done. You're finished. You're not going to be able to get to the next round. So um, it's, worry- it's worrying at this stage to see that. Um, but last 16, you can't complain. You're in, you're in it. You've got a good draw. Um, so fingers crossed we can get through that one. And then... Then we'll see. But as long as they can keep that top four run in the Premier League as hard as they can, um, that's really important because just to have a bit of um, a bit of a contingency plan when it all goes um, Emery wrong. And do you think that that first leg against Borisov was the worst match, worst result and performance of the season for Arsenal? Oof. Probably, yeah. Probably, yeah. I mean, at least there was a silver lining as a standalone. It's embarrassing really embarrassing but there were a couple of results early in the season with mid to lower league table sides that just you know a few points should have uh, a few draws should have been three points a few losses should have been draws um but yeah as a standout that one is it's something that hurts because as an Arsenal fan you think I put all the time and the effort and money into it 
and the poor people who went over to watch um, the Borisov game, you know, I think the best thing they saw that night was Alexander Kleb back in, uh, in our shirt. <laughs> the legend is Kleb. The legend is Kleb. Although there's been big debate over this because a lot of people are saying, well, the moment he saw a chance to get out of Arsenal, he left. Some people saying, well, he was such a talent. Um, I kind of sit on the fence with it. I think he was very good. I don't think he's an Arsenal legend by any uh, means. I don't think he should have got all that the standing ovation because when I was um, following him closely at Arsenal, I was really upset when he went to Barcelona and I saw him as a bit of a snake, actually. Uh, it's probably the best analogy. Um, and, and I still stand by that. I didn't feel good. And same as same atmosphere and kind of... Uh, Perspective goes to Ali Bayor as well, um, Nasri. Uh, Fabregas is a little bit of a different example as well. But, um, yeah, interesting debate, that one. But I wanted to flip it back to you, because while Arsenal had a lovely weekend, um, I heard Spurs had something going on in uh, just a little city near Manchester. A couple of uh, things going on there. Yeah, so obviously we lost 2-1 to Burnley. I was unable to to watch the match. I caught up with... uh, Caught up with all the the analysis afterwards. Um, obviously, a hugely disappointing result. Um, and obviously, there was some drama after the match as well involving Pochettino and Mike Dean. Um, Pochettino charged with improper conduct. Mike Dean was meant to be the fourth official for the Wednesday night game against Chelsea. He will no longer be. He's been removed from that as wow. for the best. Um, so obviously, yeah, some ramifications from that, some fallout. People saying, oh, we're out of the title race now. Um, but were you in the title race ever at the beginning? Well, that's the thing that I kind of wanted to, to talk about and kind of get your opinion on as well. This whole talk about Tottenham in the title race this season, because in reality, you know, we started the weekend in third position. We ended the weekend in third position. We could have gone within three points of Liverpool. OK, we're six points behind instead of five points behind. So if we were in the title race only being five points behind, being six points behind, still having to play Liverpool as well, the possibility of you know, cutting it down to three if we play them. Seems yeah, like... Yeah, true. But then you've also got that factor that Spurs are Spurs. Well, yeah, that's the other thing. And I, the, the one, again, I, we've talked on this show before about kind of how every time Spurs lose, the, the bottle job tag comes out, even if they haven't actually bottled anything in that match. You know, an average league game against Burnley, you know, you haven't really bottled anything in this context. If, you know, the league was on the line and if we were to win, we would have won the league and we lost. You could say, oh, they've bottled the chance to win the league or, or if we could have gone top by winning. But to just miss the opportunities to cut the gap by a couple of points, I don't really think that's enough to say you've bottled anything. And, you know, we could go and win our next few games and then be back in the, the race again. So I think, you know, you're, it's either... You know, people make fun of us for putting the pressure on and then when we lose, they say we bottled it, which to me seems to be... The two can't really go together because by definition, if you're putting the pressure on, it's you're putting the pressure on somebody who's in the situation to lose something. So you can't really bottle anything when you've got nothing to bottle. We've, we've not been top of the league. We weren't in a position to win win the league with that game or anything like that. So I, I feel like that talk, you know, the talk of us being the title race or not has been overblown. And as a result of that, I think this whole idea of us bottling it has been overblown. I mean, we if we were to lose, for instance, the second leg against Borussia Dortmund 4-0, that would be a huge case of bottling it. But losing to Burnley in the, you know, this stage of a league season, I don't really see as much of a bottle job. And I think that could be very likely losing that 4-0 because, remember, it is Spurs. 
Well, and Borussia Dortmund did beat Atletico Madrid 4-0 in the group stage. So Dortmund are capable and, and Spurs are capable as well. I mean, hope, I hope we don't. And, uh, you know, that first leg, I, I was at that game at Wembley. Best atmosphere, match result performance I've seen all season. Made all the sweeter by Arsenal's 1-0 loss to Borisov the next day, which I think was a very stark illustration of where the two clubs are at at the moment. Uh, <laughs> Jan Vertonghen, obviously, brilliant performance. Schumann Sun scoring again, but... You know, Dortmund have goals in them and we need to do the job in the second leg and, and not be complacent and not give the ammunition to rival fans to make fun of us. Because I think if we do lose that second leg to Dortmund, that will be, you know, then I would agree with the bottle job claims and everything that people are saying after the Burnley game, which I don't really agree with. I would agree with if we were to, to throw away that second leg. But, you know, Dortmund, very strong team, could happen. I hope it doesn't. And the next three games for us are huge. Wednesday night, Chelsea away. Saturday, the North London derby against your lot, which I'm sure we will come on to and preview in this episode, and then away at Dortmund's second leg. These next three games, season-defining, you know, we could potentially get into the Champions League quarterfinals and pretty much wrap up top four, or we could get dragged into this four-way race for the top four, potentially end the week with only a one-point gap between Spurs and Arsenal, where there's previously a 10-point gap, and then come out of the Champions League. So it's a real make-or-break week coming up for Tottenham. And it must be uh, helped in terms of morale around the club when you know that your talisman, um, the one and only Lords, uh, OBE, um, Spurs god, Harry Kane, is back. Well, you need, you know, you need your, your best players back. It's interesting. There was some debate about whether Harry Kane was rushed back into the team, whether it upset the balance of the team. I don't know about that, but certainly... Having him back's good. He got back on the score sheet straight away. Um, hopefully we get Deli Ali back. I think we could do with some some more players in the squad who are fit because obviously the kind of crux of the team, the core of the team with Ericsson, Son, Winks, Zoko, they've kind of played most of our matches through the, the December period through to now. So I think we need to have fresh players coming into the team, a bit more energy, and hopefully Harry Kane can give that. And we know he loves a, a, a derby and he loves scoring against Arsenal, so hopefully he can make an impact at, at Wembley at the weekend. Something I noticed, actually, when against Burnley was that Hummin Son seemed to slide into the peripheral um, whilst Harry Kane was on the pitch. I wonder, because a lot of people were saying to me how Hummin Son is kind of um, becoming that world beater for Spurs, kind of the key man, first name on the team sheet. Do you think... At one point, there could be a fight-off between the two. Who has the biggest ego? Who wants who wants to be that starting man? And who do you think um, Heung-Min Son could actually force Harry Kane out to Real Madrid in the summer? Or or Heung-Min Son to Real Madrid. I mean, sure. the, way Son, the way Son's been playing, he, he could be attracting some big money offers in the summer. Um, it's an interesting question. I mean, my instinct would be that, you know, obviously we, we hear at other clubs like at PSG, for example, you know, Neymar and Mbappe and Cavani maybe not getting along or kind of jostling for that position of the main man and Neymar leaving Barcelona because he couldn't escape Messi's shadow. Um, but you feel like Cade and Son don't have those type, you know, you feel like neither of them, you know, you can't imagine the two of them getting into an argument. They both seem too not as egotistical, despite what rival fans might say about Harry Kane in terms of him chasing goal records or whatever. But you know, I think they're both too too humble and grounded to get into that sort of egotistical sort of thing. But maybe that's a negative thing. Maybe you need those big 
characters, you know, your Cristiano Ronaldo types who who want to be the, the main person. Maybe maybe you need a bit of that. Maybe we don't have enough of that in the Spurs squad at the moment, perhaps. But, if, you know, I, th- I hope and expect both of them to still be at Spurs next season and for, for both to be amongst the goals equally. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people actually, I'm trying to compare it to Lacazette and Aubameyang. That's a big thing at the moment, kind of um, people saying, why can't they start together? Why is... Uh, Emery kind of going back to benching one of them. But I think at the moment, whilst it works, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, he seems to know that Lacazette is enough to have um, at home to Southampton when you've got a big game coming up midweek. He knows that Aubameyang can can do the business. But um, it'll be interesting as well to see whether whether Ozil actually get, gets a start. It's all kind of um, that narrative still going. And I wonder... Uh, I wonder when it will ever end. And I think the only way to say that will end will be in the summer when he's uh, inevitably sold for lower than his market value. So you think that's the most likely outcome then as will leave in the summer? Yeah, yeah. I think it's time for, I think it will be a, um, everyone keeps saying it's Emery versus Ozil, but I think no. They, they've put long-term faith into Emery. They've already put enough faith in Ozil all these years. It will be time... Uh, as we said with Arsene, thanks for the memories, but it's time to go. And so looking ahead, how, you know, given the, the weekend's results, a, a good win for Arsenal, a bad loss for Spurs, everything that's been going on, North London derby coming up on Saturday at Wembley, Tottenham versus Arsenal, I'll be there. What's your thing? You know, how are you feeling? How are Arsenal fans feeling? Are you positive? Do you think you're going to win? Are you optimistic? You know, what are you expecting to happen? I think it all depends on what happens midweek. I think um, if we can get a little bit of momentum um, and get the three points, then they might have that belief thinking, you know what, if we beat Spurs, we can pretty much close the uh, the gap on them, you know. Pressure on. Yeah, put the pressure on Spurs. Um, but if we dribble to a draw or um, or lose, then I'm afraid it's uh, it's going to look like curtains for us again because I think Spurs... Spurs will be chomping at the bit, as they say, um, to kind of prove the doubters wrong um, and kind of firmly cement themselves as the masters of putting the pressure on. And uh, who, who, who are Arsenal playing in midweek? Uh, Bournemouth at the Emirates. Yeah, I mean, you'd, that should be an Arsenal win, shouldn't it? Should be an Arsenal win. But, you know, we, we've seen how it all goes, especially um, in the last six to eight years you know Arsenal are unpredictable side where whether they're home away probably better away when they don't have uh, Arsenal fan TV screaming at them the whole game so do you think the the home atmosphere is quite negative at the Emirates still uh, yeah it was, it was very positive at the beginning of the season still quite quiet a little bit melancholy but um yeah it, it, they, they still need that marquee signing I think to really get people excited in the stadium again. I don't think that's happened for a while, and I don't think it's also set to happen yet either. Speaking of stadiums, what is the latest update on the uh, new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? So, supposedly, there's going to be some test events in March. Nothing's officially confirmed yet. But I think the hope was that our eight, uh, there's a home game against Brighton in April that is earmarked as potentially the first home game. But it's a bit difficult, because I think the matches they were looking at were games at home against Brighton and Crystal Palace, but both of those teams are still in the FA Cup and those fixtures were going to fall on FA Cup weekends. So I think a lot of it actually is depending now on how far Brighton and Palace go in the FA Cup. Um, it, would re- it would really make sense to just do it next season now. I mean, it's getting to a point in March, like 
it's silly. Unless they just do the last game of the season where most things will be put to bed. Everyone will know where everyone lies unless there's a last minute something. And then it's a nice teaser for the next season. But if to do it in the middle of the season, in the middle of the second half of the season, doesn't it just take away the kind of whole special atmosphere around it? Potentially. I mean, I think it, it depends on, like you said, on the, on the match, because I think there's some people who are thinking, oh, you know, what if what if we uh, have a Champions League game there? Is like, you know, the first game White Hart Lane or oh, what if it's a big, you know, match against a big marquee opponent? But I think, yeah, the longer it goes on, I think the more people probably expect it to be next season. Um, but, you know, yeah, Pochettino saying as soon as it's ready, we should get in there. So I guess there are two schools of thought on it. I'm not entirely sure, to be honest where I fall. You know that I like to play a game once yeah. in a while. Don't we all? And I wanted to play another little game with you, Mr. Dalton. Um, I have five names here. And these five names are all British, actually. Now, for a little bit of context, these are the top five goal scorers in Spurs' history. And I wanted to know whether you'd be able to get them or not. This is, this is putting me on the spot here. This could damage, you on the spot. My, uh, damage my Spurs fan credentials. Oh, mine's, my Arsenal one's long gone. I think I thought it was Lacazette the other day. <laughs> so, top five goal scorers in Spurs history. So, Jimmy Greaves. Number one. Alan Gilzine. Number nine, to be fair. Number nine. Uh, Martin Chivers. Yeah, number three. Okay, so I've got two of the five. Is uh, Steve Archibald on there? No, he's not even in the top ten, I'm afraid. I suppose it's it's too soon for Harry Kane to be in the top five, isn't it? No, no. Harry Kane is number four. Ah, okay, so he did he did break the top five. Okay, so that's which three. Which is unbelievable looking at it now. Yeah, I mean that is pretty impressive. I mean, if he stays at Tottenham for the rest of his career, you've got to think number one is in his sights. Well, you know, let's be honest here and let's be realistic. Staying at Spurs his whole career is uh lasting someone that ambitious would want to do. You got have you got any clues? Any uh Okay, the first one, World Cup winning captain, first name. Right. Second name, name of a large UK high street stationery shop. Large UK high street shop. Yeah. For stationery. Oh, stationery. The first name. Bobby. Yeah. Second name. Oh, I know. <laughs> this is terrible. W.H. Smith. Yeah, Bobby Smith. Bobby Smith. Bobby Smith. And then the number five, um, if you're driving your car in the desert and then there's no more road, you fall down a... Cliff. Yeah, first name. Cliff Jones. Yeah, Cliff Jones. Apologies to uh, any Spurs fans listening who are who are older than I am and knew all those names instantly. Are you able to check out the Arsenal ones? I can do, yeah. Okay, I've got them. All right. So it's got to be Thierry Henry. Yeah. Followed by Ian Wright. Yeah. Am I, pre- I, I feel like I'm going to insult a lot of people here who support Arsenal through uh, thick and thin over the years. There's someone called Duncan, second there. Ted Drake. Ted, Ted Drake is is there. He's there? Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's three. Um, not Bobby, da- Bobby Duncan? There's... A name here that where the last name sounds similar to Dankin but isn't ends in an in. Rankin? No. Rumpelstiltskin? <laughs> yes. Uh, no. It's 
going to say Adibayor. Is Robin Van Persie there? He's in the top 10, but not the top 5. Theo Walcott? No. Yeah, it's a little bit ambitious. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. Um, Dennis Burkamp. No, interestingly. Wow. Well, I guess he was more... Uh, I wasn't going to insult him by saying Erzlesk. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Do you know this player? No. So the ones I knew, you've, you've named... So you've got you've got three you've got Drake Wright and Henri. So it's just two two names we're looking for. Uh, Marouane Chamac. <laughs> no, that joint would still not be there. Um, oh no, Jordan Rankin's not a player. There's a so there's there's a, a Bastin, a Cliff Bastin. Cliff Bastin, yeah. You might be you thinking of and John Radford. There you go. Wow, probably wouldn't have got it. Well, you win. <laughs> That's there you go. So Saturday will be the third North London derby of the season. Arsenal won the first one four two in the league. Spurs got revenge two two nil in the Carabao Cup quarter final. So this is settling it now. Best of three, or well, not best of three, but the third tie could potentially tip it one way or the other. Listen, I think I know which one I would have rather won, and uh, I'm very happy still. And I think um, it'll be an interesting game. It'll be really interesting. It'll be tough. I'm sure, for both sides. But uh, it seems like one of those classic games, isn't it, that uh, it's bound to be a draw because they both want it so much and uh, it's going to be all that hate-fueled Derby, uh, Derby Day intention. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how it goes, particularly, as you said, depending on what happens in midweek. You know, Arsenal could move to within a point of Spurs if they win or Spurs could really then pull away from Arsenal and put top four to bed. So it... Has it mean almost has the makings of a bit of a top four final? Um, yeah, it'll be interesting, and you know, it could be Emery's last uh, and Pochettino's last North London derby in charge of their respective clubs. Wow, that's a bold claim. Yeah, I wonder what the odds are on that. To uh, not that we thought we don't endorse betting or any sort of illegal or legal behaviour um, <laughs> for, for age restrictions, because we are a we're a podcast for everyone. But uh, it'll be interesting to know kind of what they are. Speaking of odds, um, I heard Brendan Rodgers' favourite for that um, Leicester job. Yeah. So what do you make of that? Because I'm quite surprised. I mean, we've mentioned Brendan Rodgers before on this podcast, whether he'll ever get out of Celtic. Do you think this would be the right opportunity for him? Well, it's interesting because I, I was thinking, wow, Leicester's still good. Like, why would they get rid of this manager? But actually, when you look at it, the trend, the way they've been going, they could easily get caught up in a little relegation um, fight for that 18th place um, at the end of the season. So I think it was right to to pull the plug um, on that manager and club well. Um, Brendan Rodgers, I don't quite know what he's going to get out of it. I don't know if that's the step up that he that he wanted after Celtic. You know, the whole point in Celtic was to show he's a winner again, rebuild his reputation. Um, you know, just predicting the inevitable, what's going to happen is going to have a few good games, keep them up, get the mid-table next season, a few bad games are bad games, and he's going to be managing at uh, Kidderminster Town. <laughs> so I think a big risk for him, I think Rafa Benitez, who's been um, linked with the role as well, I think it'll be great for him. You know, he's had, there's clearly been issues there, um, haven't had the investment. Um, I think it's a family club who, who would love Rafa Benitez for who he is, and I don't think Newcastle 
um, have done that as much as they should because he's a great he's a great manager. So it will be interesting to see. I, I I kind of thought Nigel Pearson should have another go. You know, the dust has settled. <laughs> um, but you know that could be going more than backwards. I wonder what your th- thoughts are on this uh, this debacle. I, I agree completely with you on uh, Rafa Benitez. That's the the name that I think makes the most sense and where you can see what he would get out of it. Obviously, he'd have probably more money to play with there than he would at Newcastle. Um, and you could see him actually getting them back towards that kind of being potentially title contenders again. You know, you can imagine him making the defence really solid, you know, letting Jamie Vardy kind of flourish, setting up, you know, making them that kind of ruthless counter-attacking force that they were under Ranieri. You could see Benitez potentially rekindling some of that. And um, he was talking about facts every time. Exactly. Um, but, I, you know, you do wonder with Leicester whether they'll become a kind of mid-table Chelsea, sort of going through a new manager every couple of years, this kind of, you know, boom or bust cycle, and whether they'll ever kind of, whether Leicester will ever again be a place where a manager can kind of stay for more than a couple of seasons. I mean, Ranieri got sacked right after winning the title. You kind of wonder what their long-term plan will be. Yeah, it all stemmed from that. They never should have got rid of him. They should have thought, you know what, let's be grateful for what we had that season. Everything else is a bonus as long as we don't get relegated. They weren't going to get relegated that season. And uh, it's a real shame they've kind of gone down. They've gone down that road now. And it is a word for warning to all these clubs thinking that the, um, and to myself about Emery, that the uh, grass is always greener. Mm. Potentially Claude Puel at Arsenal. Potentially, potentially. I would, uh, I would take the Tinker Man though. You know, he knows how to win a title more than, uh, than Arsenal has. Speaking of Arsenal, not one word on where he's going. It's all a little bit odd. Maybe the Leicester job, maybe the Chelsea job. Maybe. Well, speaking of uh, Chelsea, wow. What did you make of wow. that that incident with Kepa and Sarri in that Carabao Cup final, refusing I, to come I mean, up? I mean, working in uh, public relations myself, I think the PR team um, have done an outstanding, and I'm not um, saying that with any positive or negative connotation um job of explaining the incident through the media via sari's bizarre um post-match interview and caper's um rather cold response on social media um how you can say that it was just a misunderstanding is an insult to everyone who has a pair of eyes that can that can see properly because we could all see that regardless of whether it was injury or not Kepa was not coming off that field, regardless of what his manager was saying, and and he gave up. And that's, you know, you set that precedent. There's no going back now. You know, Sari has clearly lost. If he's lost his keeper, and the players on the pitch weren't trying to drag him off and help him, he's clearly lost the rest of the dressing room. Um, he's now not won a trophy. You know, he, he's up against it in the league, and he's got Europa League. Who knows? He's never won a trophy in his career. Um, I think we'll see him. We'll see Sari out more faster than uh, faster than you could say Wenger out. <laughs> and I do wonder because obviously Spurs playing Chelsea away on Wednesday night. Last time we went to Stamford Bridge to play Chelsea when they were supposedly in crisis after losing to Arsenal, they rallied to beat us. I wonder whether we'll put the final nail in the coffin and thrash a divided, disunited Chelsea team to put Sari out of his misery, or whether once again they'll manage to find their form in time to to beat Spurs. I you know I, I genuinely can see it going either way. I wonder how, as an outsider, you think, do you think Chelsea are there for the taking or do you think this could have 
some strange sort of galvanizing effect. I don't know, maybe it's obvious that they're disunited and they're there for the taking and it's only my spursiness which is making me see this as an opportunity for them rather than us. Lots and lots and lots and lots of spursiness. But uh, I think, interesting, from an Arsenal perspective, you'd want to draw, you know. We, we, we love seeing our noisy neighbour Spurs uh, pipe down and get uh, put down a notch, pegged down a notch. But um, also, we don't want Chelsea to go, go too far um, with us in that race for the top four. So a draw would be a lovely result at this stage. Um, I think... It could, it could work either way. I have a feeling just the way I know Chelsea's a football club, they'll come out fighting and they'll probably give you a good game. It won't be easy. But also, you know, Spurs have a lot to prove as well. Um, it, all, all fingers point towards draw, but um, as we know, things are unpredictable. We would have said that Man United-Liverpool would have the most goals of the weekend. Meanwhile, they had more injuries than goals. Yeah. And I mean, really, in the context of the title race, rather than Spurs losing at Burnley, that was a bigger match and result in terms of the title race. Liverpool not able to, to get the win there and for them to start building up a lead over City. Um, City got the momentum now with that Carabao Cup win. Do you think the title is heading back to Manchester or do you think Liverpool can still get over the line? If I had to put money on it, it would be City all the way. I think they've got the squad, they've got the momentum, they've got the winning mentality. I, it wouldn't surprise me if they went on and won the FA Cup with, with the amount of play, uh, teams that are in there now. Um, and then the Champions League's there for the taking this year. So that City team, um, just the manner of which they won yesterday and their celebrations, it shows that they're, re- they're a serious team and they're, they're like the Barca dynasty that um, Pep Guardiola left behind for sure. I, I don't know if you agree with that. I think, yeah, there's definitely the potential there. I think the FA Cup is there for the taking. I think the title, I'd back them as well. Champions League, I'm not as sure. Obviously, Schalke, 3-2, they still seem a bit defensively weak when they come to the the big European matches. And it'd be interesting to see how they do against a PSG or an Atletico Madrid, for example. Um, But I think certainly the domestic competitions, I'd back them to win all three. And their noisy neighbours, Man United, do you think the Solskjaer effect is uh, slowly waning? And do you think um, he will be in charge come the end of the season? It's interesting, that, isn't it? Because, I mean, if he'd beaten PSG in Liverpool, he'd probably already have been announced as permanent manager. Losing to PSG, drawing with Liverpool, I don't know, maybe it's dimmed it somewhat. But if they can't get Pochettino, which I don't think they will, you know, you've got to wonder who, who else would be out there. And, you know, he's he's done well enough with them. If if he finishes top four, if he gets them to an FA Cup final, or even if they win the FA Cup, then, I, I, you know, I think it's still in his hands to get the job. And to be honest, obviously, I, I hope he does, because I don't want a summer of speculation about Pochettino, because there'll be enough speculation about our players. So you don't want it about your manager as well. And what is the sense around the Spurs camp at the moment? Are they expecting outgoings in the summer? Um in terms of coaching staff and players, or is everyone quietly optimistic that um, the end of the season could see a bit more stability? I think I think the, the, the Pochettino rumours have died down now, and I think everybody's pretty confident in him sticking around. I think it's more the two players who I'd say people are looking at in terms of outgoings in the summer, big outgoings, is Toby Alderweireld and Christian Eriksen, neither of whom have, you know, there was a one-year extension to Alderweireld's contract, but that means he'll be available for £25 million. 
Um, and then Ericsson hasn't signed a new contract. I actually think his performances, he's looked at times like a player whose head has been turned, who's maybe got his mind on a, on Madrid or another move. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this summer we lost him for, for big money. Wow. Um, I think that's the one probably that's bubbling under the under the surface that people are worried about that could be kind of the, the, the big one. Um, but, you know, maybe if that does happen, we have to use that as an opportunity to, re, you know, reinvest some money like Liverpool did when they lost Coutinho and, uh, you know, build a, a new squad. If we can hold on to all of our other players, you know, Deli Ali and Kane and Son, and all of a sudden get in a hundred odd million to spend on new players, maybe it could be what we need. But obviously... It's interesting, yeah. They'd, they'd have to uh, confront that situation. And speaking of confronting, um, I want to read you a headline. Charged. Furious Tottenham boss Pochettino facing touchline ban after confronting ref Dean on pitch at end of defeat at Burnley. I never mentioned it before. What were your thoughts on um, your graceful manager's behaviour? And um, it's very unlike um, Spurs and the manager to do something like that. Um, do you think uh, the cracks are finally showing in the, uh, the armour of your chosen one? <laughs> so you're right. It was very uncharacteristic. In all his time in English football, I don't think Pochettino's ever had a big incident with a referee. Um, you know, he's not a Simeone or a Klopp or Mourinho type who behave that way, you know, on a regular basis. Um, I think it's clear that Mike Dean said something that got both, not just Pochettino, but his assistant, Jesus Perez, also incredibly riled up. And it's interesting, people like um, Bobby Zamora and Mark Clattenburg have come out since and said that they wouldn't be surprised if Mike Dean had said something given what they've known about him and things he's said to them in the past. Um, but regardless of what he did or didn't say, Pochettino was the first to kind of hold his hands up and admit that he overreacted um, and that he shouldn't behave that way. And he apologized immediately. Um, I think he'll probably accept whatever ban the FA give him, as long as it's not too harsh or punitive or over the top. Um, and what actually I wanted to, to mention in regards to this incident is I hope it will finally put to bed the damaging myth that Mike Dean is a Spurs fan, um, <laughs> which obviously is a meme that's gone around online because of that one clip where he was waving play on, oh, and Dembele is being fouled against Villa. Dembele goes on to score the goal, and then Mike Dean runs away with his arms still out in the play on motion, making it seem like he's celebrating. Ever since that, and ever since Mike Dean being a Spurs fan has become a sort of go-to joke, he has, in every game he's refereed, given every 50-50 decision against us. I remember last season, Swansea at home, nil-nil, Blatant handball by a Swansea defender doesn't give the penalty. I could see that it was a penalty from where I was in the stadium. He doesn't give it. Man United at Wembley this season, the, the 1 0 defeat. I was at that game. Pogba did a challenge on Dele Alley, which was identical to the one he got sent off for in the Champions League. Nothing given by Mike Dean. So, and now with this incident with Pochettino, I think Mike Dean refereeing Tottenham games has become a, a big problem. And you wonder whether he'll be able to referee Tottenham games because clearly now. He'll have a personal grudge against Pochettino. Clearly, I think he has been influenced by people saying he's a Spurs fan. So I think Mike Dean refereeing Tottenham games is a huge issue going forwards. And I, I dread to think how insufferable Mike Dean will be once he has VAR at his disposal. You know, we know he likes to put himself at the centre of attention, be quite theatrical. Um, no doubt he'll have a lot of fun with VAR next season. Um, but I, I think definitely it was a one-off from Pochettino. I can't see that behaviour becoming a regular occurrence. We will watch this space. And if there is any match that is likely to rile Pochettino up, no doubt it will be the North London derby, which our next show will be 
a reaction to potentially huge season-defining game. Dare I ask you for a prediction? Ooh, I'm going to play it safe and go one all. I think a draw probably is... I mean, I hope we get a win. It'd be huge. It could be one of our last matches at Wembley. We want to get... I mean, we got revenge, sort of, for that 4-2 league defeat by beating you in the Carabao Cup quarterfinal, but you want to level things up in the league. You don't want, you know, two two defeats to one. Um, a draw would mean we're kind of level for the season in terms of head-to-head and would probably keep us, hopefully, ahead of you in the league for, you know, holding on to that top-four spot, but... I, I mean, I'd love a 2-1 or a, or even a 4-2, you know, get proper revenge, properly thrash you. Um, but yeah, I think a draw probably seems about right, considering the pressure and where the two teams are at the moment. But yeah, let us know your thoughts, listeners. Where What do you think will happen? Spurs win, Arsenal win. Can Arsenal get back in the top four? Can Spurs get back in the title race? You know, get that six points down to five points, then all of a sudden we're in the title race again. Uh, what do you think about Pochettino's touchline ban? You know... Give, a, give us your thoughts, give a comment, like, rate, subscribe, spread the word, subscribe on iTunes, give us a review if you can, um, and let us know your thoughts. Jason, do you have any any other things you'd like to say? Don't forget to share as well. Always important to share. Brings up those metrics. Sharing's caring. Sharing is caring.